morning. Let's uh, read our passage. Uh, it's in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. Let me read this for you. We'll put the, uh, the slides up, the words up on the screen as well. Uh, and this is Jesus talking. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father." There was again a division amongst the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So in our passage this morning, uh, Jesus uses an analogy. And it's, uh, it's one where he says that he is the shepherd and we are the sheep. And it's actually uh, an analogy that is probably one of the most commonly used uh, pictures that God gives us uh, throughout all of Scripture. Uh, to talk about himself and his relationship to us and, and how all of this works. And, and it is that of shepherd and sheep. And, and it's one that Jesus uses quite a few times, but also we see throughout the rest of Scripture. Uh, there's a few different places that I, I thought it was really uh, interesting to see where this pops up. Uh, for instance, in Psalm 23, uh, th this famous psalm is, is all about how God is in fact our shepherd. And so because of that, we don't have to want in our lives 
lives, that, that we have someone that is leading us, that is helping us to know the places in our life that are good and where should we should rest and where should we should stay and what should we should be involved in. But even more than that, he is a guide for us in our most difficult of times. A little bit later in Psalm, uh, it's a, Psalm 100 is a psalm of praise and thanksgiving. And one of the verses there says that, know that the Lord, he is God. And he wraps it up with saying, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. That we can give thanks that God relates to us in this way as a shepherd to his sheep. And then finally, in Isaiah 53, 6, uh, talking about how we just like sheep have gone astray, that we're like sheep in this way. It's actually, instead of giving thanks, it's actually uh, kind of moaning about the fact that we tend to wander. We, we tend to go astray. And we have done that. But the good news is, is that God is a shepherd that constantly brings us back. And so just even seeing those three instances, and there's plenty more in scripture, we we see that this is a big idea. This is a big picture that God wants us to grab onto. And that is that we are sheep and he is the shepherd. And, and as I was looking about this and thinking about it, I thought, you know, that's awesome. And I kind of get it. But the fact of the matter is I don't know a lot about sheep. I don't really have a lot of hands-on experience. I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't have daily experience with sheep and what they're like. I know some kind of stereotypes and, and generalities. I, I know that people usually talk about sheep in terms of being dumb and they kind of just follow mindlessly along and, and those sorts of things. But it's not something that I do day to day because I live in a subdivision and don't even like to mow my lawn. And so dealing with sheep is not something that I'm just like, oh yeah, I totally get everything God is talking about there. There are other images in scripture that I get a whole lot more easily. Uh, one of them is just how God says he is a father and we are his children. It makes total sense to me. And not just because I'm a father, but because I've had a father and I see other fathers and children. I see other parents. And even if you've had a bad relationship with a parent, you, you can see other people going uh, around and, and parenting their kids. And so you're like, okay, yeah, I get that. That makes sense. That's something I see every day. It's right in front of me. I may even be doing that in one way or another as, as a child to a parent or a parent to a child, I get that relationship in some way. Uh, even, even for the fact, even though I'm not a potter, I, I totally get a better handle on the whole potter and clay analogy. That, that God is this potter that is shaping us among us, and I, and I understand that because I'm used to building things and shaping things and doing that. So I'm like, okay, God's doing that with me. My one experience with pottery is uh, a few, uh, like a month ago for Mother's Day, I took our kids to a ceramic cafe and I made we we made we painted a mug for to give to Hannah on Mother's Day and it was by far the worst experience of my life uh, because I don't know I don't know why anybody would think it's a good idea to take a three-year-old and a one-year-old to paint something in a place that's full of breakable stuff it was the worst I literally handed Hannah the gift and I said I know I shouldn't do this because this day is all about you and how hard you work but I feel like you need to know how terrible it was to make this thing for you. You need to know what I went through. Um, and one of the things I did find out was it, the best Mother's Day gifts are the ones where while you're making it, you verbally threaten one of your children. Um, it just, it, it goes over really well. Um, but I get that analogy a whole lot better, even with my limited experience in pottery. I, I think if God really wanted to use an analogy that would have hit home with me, 
He would have said something like, I am the caddy, you are the golfer. And I could have talked about that all day long and how if God is our caddy and he instructs us where to go and where the danger spots are and he tells us that's not a good idea and stuff like that. Um, But um, he didn't do that. He uses the image of a shepherd and sheep. And I don't know if a sheep is necessarily an animal that I want to be associated with. I, I, as I was, I, I typed into my computer, dumb as sheep, and I found a news article where there was a flock in Turkey where 400 sheep fell 15 meters to their deaths in a ravine, and they broke the fall of another 1,100 sheep that followed after them. I don't want to be associated with an animal that follows other animals just walking off a cliff. Uh, The newspaper that reported it said that the reason this happened was the shepherds that were in charge of the sheep from the local village neglected the flock while they decided to go and eat breakfast. And I don't know if I really see myself as someone that if somebody decides to go eat McDonald's for breakfast, I might kill myself. I don't think I'm necessarily that dumb. I have a few more critical thinking skills than that. And and they actually said, they said this was such a big deal. It actually cost the villagers whose sheep were in this flock over $74,000. $74,000 just because they were left alone for 30 minutes. Sounds like my kids. Um, Yet it's here. It's here in this picture of a shepherd and sheep that Jesus sees it fit to give us not one, but actually two I am statements. We've talked about these a little bit to this point. In John, there are actually seven different I am statements. And every time Jesus pulls these out, these are a big deal because he is trying to pull back the veil. The the veil that we have because we are humans of how hard it is to see who God is and and what God is like and understanding how he relates to us and, and how we can live not just in him but through him. And so Jesus, seven different times in John, says, I am this. We've already talked about how Jesus is. He says, I am the bread of life. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Today, in this picture of a sheep and shepherd, Jesus is able to talk to us about how he is not only the good shepherd, but then he also says a little bit later, I am the door. I was thinking about um, sheep and shepherds and and all this kind of stuff, and... and, um, I realize actually in our lives, we have, there are quite a few actual shepherds around us. And we may not think of them as shepherds. I would say more like maybe influencers. And yet these are people or things that lead us, that, that, that we, we can trust in and we look to for direction. Like for instance, we all have at one time or another in our life, and, and, they, and, they, and they change depending on where our life is at and the circumstances, we have heroes that we look up to. We look at their life, we look at something about them, and we're like, wow, I would like to be like them. They have certain things going on that I would like to have in my life. I'd like to look like them. I'd like to have the things that they have. I'd like to be thought of the way that they're thought of. And so we look to them and we think, I would like to incorporate what they do into what I do. And we don't realize them when we're doing this, but at that moment, those people have become shepherds of our life. They're leading us. They're instructing us. When I was younger, and I still had dreams of being a basketball player, my hero, beyond a doubt, 
was Michael Jordan. I loved Michael Jordan. And I thought, man, if I can just incorporate like everything that Michael Jordan is and how he thinks and what he does and, and, and all that kind of stuff, I, I, I can be like Michael Jordan. And it went so far as when um, my, uh, my mom was pregnant with my brother, who is the, the third and I'm the oldest, um, they were talking about what they should name him. And I said, what if we named him Michael Jordan? Because, I mean, if you name him Michael Jordan, that's going to mean something. I'm going to get some kind of good mojo from that. And, and, and so I was like, and I was like, it makes, like, it, like, I'm a logical person. And so my case to them was like, well, you need a first name and you need a middle name. And he's got Michael Jordan. It fits perfectly in there. And I thought Michael Jordan Eckhart has a really nice ring to it. But um, they didn't go for that. They named him something else. But we have heroes, right, that we model our lives after. Some of us, uh, many of us too, we, we also, there are these systems or institutions that we look to, that we place our faith in, that we, that we think, okay, it, this is too big. This is too big of, the, of a thing to fail. If I, just, if I just invest in this, if I follow this thing, I, I, the two easiest examples to come up with here are the government or the, or the stock exchange. The stock market, right? I can remember when I was just getting into kind of working and being around people that worked and lived in the real world and that sort of thing. And um, that was when the housing market crash happened and then the stock market uh, crashed and we had the recession and everything like that. I remember guys I was working with, here I am just like a teenager, early 20s and, and guys that are like two, three years away from retirement and they're like, I had everything in the stock market. It was an institution that I thought was too big to fail. It was leading me. It was directing my life. And it did fail, right? And then they were like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to retire. The sad fact of our lives is, is that if we hang around long enough, the heroes that we lift up, the other shepherds in our life, the institutions, those systems, they will fail us at some point. And so a lot of times I think we don't like to say we're sheep because we've been told shepherds are going to fail you. So we get to a place that we think, well, we can just be our own person. I don't need other people telling me what to do. No one knows what's right for me. And so I will lead myself. I will choose what is best for me? And, and so we actually get to a place that we believe, even though it might not be true, that there is no shepherd in our life. And we don't need that because we are self-dependent. We don't need to worry about, and it feels good to not have to worry about, will someone else come through? Will this thing not fail? Because I can trust in me. Little do we realize, even if we don't want it, how much we are influenced truly by the things around us. We are influenced by people around us. We see it so easily with, with people while they're in school, right? It matters so much who your friends are with what you're doing and what you're involved in and those sorts of things. But even more than that, we don't realize how when we even get older, we, we see people around us, we see families around us, and we, and we, we see kind of a snapshot, them on the surface, and we think, wow, that looks so good. Their life looks so put together. They've got all these things that I would like. And so we don't realize what's going on, but we start looking to them. We, they shepherd us in a way, and we start thinking, wow, they have this many kids. I need that many kids. They have this kind of job. I need that kind of job. And we start orienting our life around what we think has led to their success. We also see that our, our culture just influences us in ways that we may not like to admit it actually does. I learned this truth actually from watching the like all-time great movie. Have you guys ever seen The Devil Wears Prada? 
Have you guys seen this movie? Yeah, I am man enough to admit I watch chick flicks, good ones, and I will talk about them in front of a group of people. Uh, but um, I was talking about this, and it was actually Hannah that reminded me. Uh, there's a scene, I really like this scene in, in The Devil Wears Prada. If you don't know the movie, Anne Hathaway's character is a struggling journalist, and she's trying to get into journalism. And so she takes this job she doesn't want at a fashion magazine. She thinks fashion's ridiculous, and a bunch, it's a bunch of pomp and circumstance, and it doesn't matter. And so she's there, and she finds herself in this fitting, and uh, there's this one point where uh, this girl holds up these two belts and she goes, I don't know. It's really hard to choose. They're so different. And the belts are exactly the same. They are the same color. And, and, and Hathaway laughs and they look at her and they go, you know, what's funny? She goes, well, I just, I don't know. I'm new to this stuff. I don't get it. And uh, the other main character, it's Meryl Streep's character. She goes, well, she goes, so you think you're above this stuff. You think that this doesn't matter. You think that you take yourself so seriously that it doesn't matter what you put on your back and what you wear. And you think that you make your own decisions and nothing influences you. But she says, matter of fact, the, sweat, the lumpy sweater you're wearing, she calls it, is not blue. And she says, I think she calls it cerulean, which I think is a made up word. And, and she says, little do you know, just a few years before, there was a designer that chose to highlight this particular color. And then another designer did it in this. And then it made its way through the department stores and into the bargain bin that you pulled your sweater out of. And she said, so you actually haven't chosen to wear that. That choice was made for you by actually the people in this room. She says, there are things in your life that are influencing you that you don't even know about. And that is the truth for us. That as much as we might like to think we don't have a shepherd, we don't need a shepherd. It's nice that Christ talks about the shepherd and the sheep. That's, that's really nice, but that's for other people. That's not for me. I lead my own life. He's saying you, in fact, do have things that are influencing you. You, you do have people and systems that are leading you. And this goes all the way from consciously devoting ourselves to those to being influenced by them and not even knowing that it's taking place. And that's why Jesus is so adamant that we need to know the good shepherd. Because we all have things in our life, certain things that we're going to talk about that we need. And we are hoping to be led to them. We are hoping to be led to those greener pastures. But the things we need, Jesus says, can only be found in him. For instance, we all need to be known. And I don't mean that we want to be famous. I mean, we want to be known intimately. We want people to care about us, to know who we are and what we care about and what we're about. As much as we might think sheep are dumb, sheep are actually highly relational. Uh, they don't just trust anything. It's actually been scientifically proven that sheep can recognize up to 50 different human faces. And what's more, instead of them being these mindless lemmings in a flock that don't know one from the other, they actually can distinguish one another. And they have relationships with one another. And actually, they've even proven that when their friends are taken to slaughter and they're killed, they actually go into depression over this stuff. Sheep are highly relational. It matters to them to know one another and to know the one that is leading them. And Jesus says, we are like this. 
We need to be known. We matter. We are unique. We know this at the core of who we are. And so we desperately want that. And we are hoping to find someone somewhere that knows that and treats us that way and and, and acts like that is truly the case, that we are unique. We are worth knowing. And one of the greatest hardships in our life is when We cannot find people that seem to care about us to know the uniqueness that makes me, me. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Why? Because I take the painstaking time to know my sheep. To not just know them, but to allow them to know me. He says, shepherds that don't care, those, those robbers and those thieves, they don't care and they don't know. They take the shortcut. Instead of going through the process of being known enough to go to the door and be able to let in by the person that's keeping the door and then to walk in and, and, and call out the sheep by name and have the sheep recognize them, they just jump over the fence. Because they're not in it for you. They, they don't care about you. They're just in it for what they can get out of you. They cut corners. So I was thinking about this. The image that came to mind was Politicians. Politicians want us to think they know us and they care about us. And it's so obvious when they're trying to pull the wool over our eyes. That's a bad pun for talking about sheep, right? Like whenever they're walking around, it's so ridiculous that you have these politicians, these millionaires, and and they're trying to act like they're a normal person. And somehow they know what we go through and what day-to-day looks like, right? And and it's so easy to spot when they're doing this because they stop wearing their ties and and, and they show up in jeans, but they still have a dress shirt on, but they've rolled up the sleeves, you know, kind of like me and uh, all that kind of stuff, right? And then they're like, oh, he's so relatable now. And it's like, no, you're a millionaire. You have no idea what's going on in my life. And they talk about things during the debates. Like they, the, one of the things that drives me nuts is this. They always say, and it's like this buzzword for them, that they're like, oh, you know, when, when they're trying to do their budget. And it's like, first of all, I don't think you've ever done a budget in your life because you have way more money than, what you, ever, than you would ever need to do a budget. But they're like, you know, when people are doing a budget, they're sitting at their kitchen table doing a budget. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Who in the world still has a kitchen table? And who does their budget at a kitchen table? Like, nobody does that, right? Nobody sits actually at their kitchen table doing a budget. Like, you're watching Netflix while you're talking about your budget with your spouse, right? And, but they're acting like, oh, we know. We know what you're going through. They try to identify with us, right? And they don't take the time. They don't want to know. And it's so obvious because they're, all they're trying to get is our money and our vote. And when the campaign's done, do you see them out around? No, because they cut corners. They're trying to find easy ways to act like they know us. Jesus says the thing about a good shepherd is it's not just that he's known by the one who's keeping the door. He's known by the sheep. He actually, he knows the sheep. He calls them by name. Palestinian shepherds will actually call and name their sheep according to their characteristics because they know what they're like. And so Jesus is saying, I do this with you. And so for some of us, he calls us out and he calls us grumpy, stubborn, dopey, sleepy. You know, just go down the seven doors, right? That's what he named, but he knows that and he calls us that because he knows us. Because he's not only created us, but he spends time with us. He cares about us and we need to be known like this. We want to be known like this. But what's more is he also promises us that we will be able to know him 
intimately in this way. I think one of the greatest things in this passage is what he says in verses 14 and 15, where he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And this is one of those things that you read and you stop and you say, wait a second, did he just really say that? Because if you remember back to the beginning of John, where what we talked about in John's prologue in those first 18 verses, there's so much in those verses about the importance that Jesus knows the Father and the Father knows Jesus intimately, that there is nothing between them. That is the level of love that they have. That is the kind of relationship that they have. And it's the kind of relationship that we've been made to have and yet sin's gotten in the way. And Jesus says, when you are a part of my flock... You know me exactly in the way that I know the Father. And so because of that, you know God that way. And he knows you because he calls you by name. And and that is such good news, I think, to so many of us because our worry is if we give our life to Jesus, if we devote ourselves to him and we do become a part of this flock, then we're just going to become the thing we fear the most. And that is to be a nameless, faceless, just number in the crowd. We're just another notch on the belt and we don't really matter we just show up and we do what everybody else is doing and we have no characteristics about ourselves. We lose our unique features. And Jesus says, it's actually in me and as one of my followers that your identity is better known, better expressed. You become more of yourself because I know you, because I call it out, because I help you to realize what you actually are and what you're made for. He says, I do this because I created you. You have been created in the image of something. Every other shepherd has not created you. Every other influence in your life, they have not created you. They are trying to recreate you. They are trying to recreate you in their image. They're trying to recreate you in what they think is right. And Jesus says, lean into what you have been created for. Be called by your true name. Stop believing that you have to be something else and be known by the one that knows you intimately. There is nothing out there that you can devote your life to, that you can give yourself to, that you can follow after, that will ever know you like Jesus does. And he wants us. He wants us to know him in this way so that when he calls out to us, we will believe that he is calling us to something better. As difficult as it may be to walk through, as hard as we may not want to leave where we are right now, that he is calling us, as Psalm 23 says, to greener pastures. He is actually calling us to salvation. That that is what he has for us. That he knows what we desperately need. And so we never have to wonder if what he is calling us to is in our best interest or does he know what I'm going through because he does. We need to be known. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd because I know you better than anyone else does. We also need to be protected. We actually spend our lives trying to protect ourselves, right? Right? We spend our lives taking inventory and stock of the things that we can handle on our own and the things that if they happen, I'm sunk. 
And we usually know what they are, right? We can like list them off. Like if this ever happened to me, these are my worst fears. And if they ever happened, I would be a a total mess. I don't know if you guys feel that way, but I know I feel that way. That I live my life in fear of a few, a handful of things ever happening. I don't know if you've ever read either, like if you've had something going on and so you go online and you're like, you know, you type in your symptoms and then it gives you a list and like, it could be these eight things, right? I know Ed has a lot of uh, practice with that, but I I have a little bit. but it's scary when you do that, right? Because all of a sudden, all these, all these things that you never thought about, you, you never even considered in your life. Like, you're like, wow, I could, that could happen. I never, I never, even, I never thought of that. And, and these things, if you're not careful, they can wreck you. And, and we may not do this in, in terms of our health, but we do this all the time with other stuff. And Jesus is saying, well, we're like sheep in this way because sheep have minimal defenses. Yeah, they have some defenses. There are a few things sheep can do but uh, there, there's a lot that if it comes up, you know, they're, they're sunk. And so they need a shepherd to protect them. And that's why Jesus moves on. He, he doesn't say, I'm just a good shepherd. It says that they didn't understand what he was talking about. And so he says, I'm the door. There was, uh, there was a guy named uh, Sir George Adam Smith. And in his day, he was considered the world's foremost and best Old Testament scholar. And uh, he was traveling, and, and he came across a, a Palestinian um, uh, shepherd. And, and he got into a conversation with them. And this guy was not a Christian at all. And the man showed him the fold where the sheep were led at night, and it consisted of four walls. What they would do is, when they were out in the pasture, and sometimes they'd have to go really far away from the city, they wouldn't be able to make it back, uh, just a day out and back kind of trip. And so they would actually have to set up a, a, a pin, a makeshift pin. They, they would pile rocks up about three, four feet maybe, uh, put some thorns on the top of it so nothing could get in. But they were never able to build a door. And, and, and so George is looking at this. We'll just call him George instead of Sir George. He's looking at this pen, and, 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 he, and he says, so that's where they go at night. And the shepherds say, yes, when they're in there, they're perfectly safe. But George said, but there, there's no door. So how are they perfectly safe? How do they not get out? And the shepherd said, I am the door. He wasn't a Christian. He wasn't quoting Christ here. He's speaking from an Arab shepherd's standpoint. And George looked at him and said, what do you mean by you're the door? And the shepherd said, when the light has gone and all the sheep are inside, I lie in the open space. No sheep ever goes out across my body and no wolf comes in unless he crosses my body. I am the door. Shepherds would literally at the beginning of the night lay across the opening and they were the thing that protected the sheep. They kept the sheep in and they kept the wolves out. Jesus is the door. He is the good shepherd because he puts himself between us running away and us getting snatched up. He understands, he knows there are going to be things that seek to kill us, that seek to destroy us, that seek to harm us. And he says, I stand in between you and them. We don't just find salvation, he says, as his sheep, but we also find the protection we need so desperately. And Jesus talks about this because this whole conversation is a reaction. It's a response to uh, the entire chapter 9 of John. We, we, we skipped over it. Uh, Jesus heals a man born blind. 
And the Pharisees come to him and they ask him about it. It's this whole big thing. And this guy ends up saying, yeah, it was Jesus that healed me. And I think he's the Messiah. And the Pharisees don't like that. And so these guys who are supposed to be this man's shepherd, who are supposed to be protecting him, who are supposed to be leading him, they kick him out of the synagogue. They throw him to the wolves. We never, with, with Jesus Christ as our shepherd, we never have to question if he will stand up for us. We never have to question if when things get the hardest, will he be there? He says, I am your protection. I am what you need. And we also need to be valued. In verse 11, he says there, I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, and it gets so much better when you jump down to verse 17 and 18, he says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. He says, I lay down my life, and I don't do it because I've been told to, or I've been forced to, or it's a job. I do it because I choose to. I do it simply for you. I value you that much that I am willing to give my life. No ulterior motive, it's just for you. I think Jesus is the only person in the history of the world that is able to minister out of pure motives 100% of the time. If you are leading people, a mark of a good leader, a mark of just a good follower of Jesus Christ is to constantly be asking yourself and asking God to show you, are my motives pure? Because if we take it for granted and we just assume they are, that's when they're not. We see so many people that don't lead out of a place where the greatest value is the people they're leaving. They're in it for other things and other stuff they can get out of it. We see this with cult leaders. We even see this with the best leaders. Because it's hard not to have mixed motives. It's hard to not have things going on in your life where you are 100% about getting people to Jesus all the time. But with Jesus Christ, he values us so much that nothing else comes in the way of his leading us other than the fact that he loves us enough to choose even to die for us. You see, as he is walking to the cross, so many times that Jesus can choose to get out of it. So many times that he's given the opportunity to call down angels or have legions or any of that sort of stuff to, to not have to go through that suffering. And yet, because he values us so much, he does it. That he actually has nothing to gain. He, he doesn't need us. He, he doesn't need our worship. He, he, God is okay on his own. And yet, he loves you enough to lay down his life. He's not getting paid for it. He's not getting some kind of retirement kickback from it. He's not getting commission on it. He simply gets you because he loves you that much 
That is why he is the good shepherd. You never have to ask, is he doing this for other reasons? Is he get leading me to this place because he's had a bad day? It's not like Jesus ever comes back and says, hey, I know I told you to go in this direction, but sorry, I just had a fight with my wife. I was trying to prove her wrong about something, and so really you should do the opposite of what I told you. Because Jesus' motives are always pure. They are always for you in your best interest that you may, as he says, have life abundantly. There's this place in Matthew where it says in Matthew chapter 9, he saw the crowds and he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The word for compassion here literally means that his stomach was turned inside out. This isn't some empathy that he has. This isn't some feeling of, oh, how bad it is. Jesus literally hurts for us when he sees us being led astray, when he sees us being taken advantage of. And he says, these other shepherds that you can tie yourselves to, that you can allow you to influence your life, they don't know you like I know you. They will not protect you like I will. And they certainly don't value you to the degree that I do. I've been thinking about this image a lot, obviously, of, of a shepherd and being sheep. And I realized something um, this week that I, I, it never occurred to me. But I, this isn't a picture of Jesus that I'm less like, yes, thank you so much. He's my shepherd. There are other pictures of Christ that I like and identify with a whole lot better. I, I like Jesus as a teacher, I, I love his teachings, and, and I love the wisdom and the truth that are found in his teachings. I really resonate with and, and value where, where Jesus says, now I call you friends, and the depth and the level of that and what he's actually talking about there, but, but not a shepherd. And I think it's because I find the dependence unsettling. The idea of a shepherd, a shepherd is someone you totally depend on. The sheep need a shepherd. Why? Because if the shepherd even takes a break for breakfast, they will go tumbling over a cliff together. The sheep cannot have a moment without the shepherd. And truthfully, I don't know how much I like that because I have built my life up to a place where I don't want to have to depend on anyone but me because I know at least I'm dependable. In fact, I think most of us are in this place where we hear Jesus is the good shepherd. And he's saying, I am the door. I will protect you. And we're like, oh, that's nice. But for other people, I'd rather not lean on that one that much. Why? Because we've seen too many shepherds fail. Too many things that we've allowed to influence us. Too many things that we've put up there and we've held up on a pedestal. And they haven't known us. Like we need to be known. They haven't protected us in the ways we need to be protected. In fact, when it really got bad, they deserted us. And we are constantly questioning and asking ourselves, do they really value me? Do they really love me? They failed us. And so we look around and we're like, there's just, there's not a lot of good shepherds. And so if there's not a lot of, if, if, if there's, maybe there's not a good shepherd. And so Maybe then it's just good to not be a sheep. I'm not a sheep because there's no good shepherds. If there is a good shepherd and Jesus comes along and he says, I am the good shepherd. Stop fighting against me, leading you to where you need to go. Trust me. See what I've done for you. See what I've given for you. 
It's so easy for us to fight against the one who is trying to help us. When we have dealt with failure after failure, when we are dealing with sickness in our lives, and it's easy for us to fight against that one because they're the one that cares enough to be standing there in front of us. He is the good shepherd because he does not leave us. He does not forsake us. He knows us better than anyone ever will. And he values you more than anyone will. Not saying that there aren't people in your life that don't love you. Not saying that there aren't people in your life that give you good direction, but no one loves you the way Jesus loves you. And it's because of that, for that very reason, that we can proclaim, not just that he's good, but he is indeed our shepherd and we are glad to be his sheep.